From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. The issue of the protected free speech, it seems as though, from reading the opinion and, and the facts that they present in the opinion, that the whole basis for this was to suspend Mr. Warren and probably also with uh, with Ms. Warhol, too, uh, because they were, quote, progressive prosecutors. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for Season 12 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspended two popular and elected progressive state attorneys who promptly filed suit. Innocence Clinic Director Craig Trochino tracks the two cases. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Good morning, Craig. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me on again. Always, always. So Governor DeSantis suspended a popular and elected Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren and Orange and Osceola County State Attorney Monique Worrell. Let's start with, does suspending mean firing? No, it, it doesn't. Under the Florida Constitution, the governor has the ability to suspend uh, an elected official uh, and the Senate can either vote to uh, remove or reinstate. So think kind of like impeachment where the House files the impeachment and the Senate has the trial. Similar here. So all that the governor can do is is suspend. Then it's up to the Senate uh, after that. And did the Senate they haven't They haven't acted they on haven't either. Acted. So one of the cases was heard by the Florida Supreme Court, which declined to hear the other. But it was ruled on recently by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Were the cases somehow different that one went to the Florida Supreme Court and one went to the Court of Appeals? Yeah, completely different, actually. The one that went to the Florida Supreme Court was on a specific state law ground on whether the uh, order of suspension, the executive order suspending, was legally sufficient. Um, and that went up on what's called an extraordinary writ. But the Florida Supreme Court said that Mr. Warren waited too long to file it, so they denied it. Uh, and then the federal case was going forward. And then that got decided on First Amendment grounds. That's what the 11th Circuit just recently decided. But they were both kind of at the root of you're progressive. You have you know, openly stated that you're in favor of these things that we're against. So can we say they were both politically motivated? Both of the suspensions? Both Worrell and, and Warren? Yeah, I think when you look at the opinion and we can we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Uh, but when you look at the opinion on on how the suspension order was drafted and what the grounds used for it, it looks like it was politically motivated, uh, especially uh, in retaliation for the free exercise of of speech, uh, mm-hmm. which is specifically with Mr. with regard to Mr. Warren, what the Eleventh Circuit addressed. Now, the Florida Supreme Court's denial had nothing to do with free speech. It only had to do with whether that document, the order, the executive order suspending, whether that was legally sufficient, kind mm-hmm. of a narrow ruling, very technical, very dry in, in, in state, grounded in state law. And the Florida Supreme Court ruled with regard to Mr. Warren, he waited six months until after the suspension and they 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 ruled that it was too late. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with Worrell. Where is it now and, and what's next? Uh, on the Worrell case, um, she's hurt the, the process I was just referring to, but Mr. Warren uh, challenging the sufficiency of the uh, of the suspension order. Uh, that's currently pending in front of the Florida Supreme Court. They had oral argument, I believe, in December. So that's pending a decision on that. She doesn't have her own, I don't believe, uh, federal case going. However, the uh, 
the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center filed a lawsuit in federal court against uh, Governor DeSantis uh, on behalf of two voters in her in, in Orange County, say, uh, alleging that uh, that suspension order violated their the, the voters' rights to have their vote counted. All right. Oh, you mean failed presidential contender, Ron DeSantis? So now let's talk about the 11th Circuit's ruling on Warren. Can you talk a little about what the ruling was and what what's the next shoe to drop there? Well, so the ruling, what went up to the 11th Circuit was uh, Warren's challenge that he was suspended in retaliation for exercising his First Amendment right. And mm-hmm. you can't do that. You can't have a First Amendment right, exercise it, and then get retaliated against. So they concluded that most of what was done that was listed in that, the executive order suspending him. Right. Okay. Let's, let's think about it this way, okay. right, to make it easier. Let's think about the executive order suspending him as a charging document for something. Got it. Right? And it has to lay out the facts and the elements of the offense qualifying removal. So. When when Mr. Warren looks at that order, he says, well, this is First Amendment protected. This is First Amendment protected. This is First Amendment protected. And I'm being retaliated against because I said something that I believe uh, from a political point of view that differs from the governor. And that's why he retaliated against me and removed me. Um, And so that got presented to the district court, and then ultimately, ultimately the 11th Circuit. And the 11th Circuit ruled that most of what was in that order was protected free speech. Okay. Uh, and you can't retaliate against something. So it remanded it back to the federal trial court mm-hmm. with directions to determine whether absent those several things that were protected free speech, would, would the other ones that weren't protected, would they rise to the level and would DeSantis have removed him anyway? But before we get to that part, the issue of the protected free speech, it seems as though from reading the opinion and and the facts that they present in the opinion, that the whole basis for this was to suspend Mr. Warren and probably also with uh, with Ms. Warhol, too, uh, because they were, quote, progressive prosecutors. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a a political ideology difference. Keep in mind that Mr. Warren won this. He got elected twice uh, in his in his jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. the second time with a margin of forty five thousand votes in a countywide election. That's a pretty significant landslide. Right. I I think Um, so. The court ruled that, you know, DeSantis got a political benefit from his suspension of Mr. Warren and 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 ultimately, uh, I would imagine from from Ms. Worrell too. Um, and they and they actually said that his political benefit was quote solely derived from Warren's political ideology end quote. So the Eleventh Circuit came to the opinion that it wasn't just protected speech that was used; it was what exactly Mr. Warren was saying, uh, and that's still a problem because he can say that and it's protected. So the main focus, according to the Eleventh Circuit of the suspension order was Mr. Warren's advocacy. That's distinct from what was said, that he was incompetent and ineffective uh, and so forth. So when it goes back to the district court, then DeSantis has to prove that the the other actions, uh, some of these policies were of the nature to make him incompetent and ineffective. And if you read the the 11th Circuit opinion carefully, it goes through pretty methodically the, the facts presented and adduced in the trial court at the district court. And reading that seems like it's going to be a little bit of a heavy lift for DeSantis to establish that because when they get onto remand, what they have to talk about is his actual performance. And so in order to talk about that, you got to get into a lot of the facts that the court does at the very beginning of the opinion. Mm-hmm. 
And it seems like in the opinion, they also laid out the argument that DeSantis was motivated by feeding red meat to his presidential aspirations or no? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, the uh, the the concurring opinion uh, right out of the gate makes a comment about giving a, uh, a speech a on the presidential <laughs> on the presidential stump saying something about uh, he, he beat George Soros by getting rid of prosecutors. And the only ones that would be he could possibly be talking about is Andrew Warren and, and Money Guarrell. Uh, so there's that. But now you can establish that your free speech was used in, and you were t- retaliated against. So you were removed. But once you establish that, if the governor can establish that, OK, irrespective of that, I would have done it anyway because of A and B. Now, that's what the 11th Circuit sent it back. Let's go figure out A and B and A and B is performance on his policies. Now, when we look at the facts that the 11th Circuit discusses that are all generated from the district court, the district court's opinion and the district court's fact finding, they had actually a bench trial. So that's where these facts come from. Mm-hmm. We find out that uh, DeSantis asked one of his seniors, adv- senior advisors, a gentleman named Larry Keefe, to look into prosecutors who were not enforcing the law. Um, so Mr. Keefe presumably asked, according to his testimony, asked his acquaintances um, and specifically did not conduct an investigation. He said, I did not conduct an investigation. So he starts focusing on prosecutors' reputations, not their policies. Uh, never got any specific examples of non-prosecution. They identified Mr. Warren as a, quote, reform prosecutor. Presumably that's bad um, from from their point of view. Um, That's the opposite of progressive. (laughs) um, And and he'd heard uh, from like third party, second party uh, hearsay that he had a bad reputation and his reputation was harmful and negative. So pretty much in the bar or on the golf course, he was like checking the temperature. Presumably (laughs) how he was asking acquaintances, never got any specifics. um, And none of this, it was harmful and negative was based on any actual knowledge. Okay. Uh, uh, None of the officials that that he uh, spoke to, uh, according to the facts, could identify any action or specific uh, failure that Mr. Warren undertook that uh, or a law that he didn't enforce. He did cite to um, Mr. Soros, like concurrence recited that Governor DeSantis did uh, and his financial support for the Democratic Party and therefore for uh, Mr. Warren never communicated with Warren or anybody in his staff in his non-investigation mm-hmm. uh, and concluded that there was a blanket non-prosecution policy. This is a major problem, right? Because that's not true. Mr. Warren did not have a blanket non-prosecution policy. He had a couple of policies that were presumptive not to prosecute, but they all had a, a safety valve where that presumption can be overcome for public safety. In fact, the district court in its order with regard to this Mm non-prosecution policy, said, quote, any minimally competent inquiry would have confirmed, any minimally competent (laughs) inquiry would have confirmed there was no blanket Mm non-prosecution policy. So I think when they go back to the district court for Governor DeSantis to try and establish that he would have suspended him anyway, based on his non-prosecution policy, that doesn't exist because any minimally competent inquiry would have uncovered it doesn't exist, right. is going to be a seriously heavy lift. Mm-hmm. On Worrell, on Monique Worrell, was there a similar, the charge was that she didn't prosecute enough juveniles or or there was some, was that the Worrell case? 
Yeah, it was something it was something along those lines. Uh, but we don't have a whole lot of, of underlying facts developed in her case yet, okay. like we do in Mr. Warren's right. case, because there was an entire federal bench trial uh -huh. on here where where these witnesses came in on behalf of Mr. Warren and be on behalf of, of Governor DeSantis mm -hmm. saying these are the facts that we found. And that's where the judge ended up ruling. Now, the judge ruled that there was some First Amendment protected speech, but he also ruled that notwithstanding that, Governor DeSantis would have suspended him anyway. And that's what went up on appeal to the right. 11th Circuit. And that's what they reversed back. Now, at least Warren has said that he won't run again. So what could happen? Could DeSantis just drop both cases or could they be reinstated or kind of what's the next well, or what are the next possibilities? Well, if if it's if it goes Warren's case is going to go back to the district court and that judge is going to have the opportunity to rule on whether these policies, um, these what has been incorrectly referred to as non-prosecution non-prosecution policies, mm -hmm. whether those policies that were in place were of such a nature to render Mr. Warren incompetent or ineffectual and thus therefore justifying the suspension. If the judge rules that's not the case, then he's reinstated. For how long? For the What's, remainder of his term. Which is, we don't know. I, it's probably next June because the election's coming up this right. year. So it's probably January of 25. Uh -huh. It's interesting that Mr. Warren made his declaration that he wasn't going to run again about a week before <laughs> this opinion dropped. Uh -huh. um, so I don't know if he's going to change his mind. Right. One of the things I'd like to, to point out, though, about the, about the opinion and these policies, right, is that there's two main policies that the court discusses, that the district court discussed. One policy of Mr. Warren's was what he called the low-level offense policy, and one was called the bike policy. The low-level offense policy was a presumption, and it, he developed this during COVID to keep people out of jail and, and, and increasing the, the risk of COVID transmission, but to a presumption not to prosecute crimes that had a 60-day max in jail, otherwise known as very low-level misdemeanors, mm -hmm. right? But this policy could and in fact was overcome based on public safety concerns. The other one, the bike policy, was a presumption not to prosecute non-criminal bike and pedestrian violations. And again, this policy was and could be and was indeed overcome for the purposes of public safety. Now, mind you, these policies were created and instituted after an executive committee presumably met after outside comment from from uh, constituents and stakeholders and so forth. So they were created in exactly the way you would want a policy to be created. <laughs> he didn't sit down at his desk and write out a screed and put his name to it and say, I therefore decree that this shall be the policy. Mm -hmm. He had public comment. He had committee input. He did exactly what you want to have somebody in that position do. OK, so. Disney. <laughs> I think Disney knew this was coming. Disney jumped right on this, correct? And said, wait, what about us? What about our First Amendment rights? Yeah, well, I'm sure they were watching it very, very closely. Uh -huh. And rightly so, because they have similar arg similar First Amendment arguments that Mr. Warren was successful in presenting to the 11th Circuit. Just for the same reasons that you uh, a governmental authority can't retaliate against an elected official for exercising his right to free speech, a governmental authority cannot retaliate or punish a private entity or a corporation for doing the same thing. Right. And they have similar issues pending in, in 
in court now. So they immediately filed in uh, the 11th circuit. No, they're still in. I think they're still in the trial court. Oh, okay. They're still in the district court. So they immediately filed with the court this opinion saying that, look, see, the 11th Circuit just ruled that all these things uh, that happened were a violation of Mr. Warren's free speech rights. And ours are very similar. Therefore, we should be in the position of having our free speech rights protected, mm-hmm. just as Mr. Warren's do. It's persuasive authority for that court. Uh, the way this opinion is written, uh, including the concurrence, I think is very powerful. I, this is likely to be quite helpful to to Disney. So will Disney have to go then to the Florida Supreme Court, depending on the ruling, correct? No, they're in federal court. Oh, they're in federal court. Yeah, this is put in terms of a federal question. Okay, got because it. Because the federal First Amendment rights are being violated. The Florida Supreme Court, although they will, on certain circumstances, answer whether somebody's constitutional rights, federal constitutional rights were filed. Mm-hmm. When it's purely in this situation, that's going to be the per- province of a federal court. In fact, one of the issues in the Florida Supreme Court's decision on, on Mr. Warren's case was, well, he filed this claim in federal court and the federal court kicked it out because it was only cognizable in state court. And then he waited five months and presented to the Florida Supreme Court. And they said, well, you know, you waited too long. We're not going to, we're not going to listen to right. it. So let's say Disney does win. How much of what the governor has done to Reedy Creek improvement, all these other things, could that impact? Probably a lot of it. Yeah. They could get rid of the board. They could undo. It it depends on exactly what Disney is asking for, because Mm -hmm. when you engage in litigation, you can't get what you don't ask for. And when you have your lawsuit, you ask for the specific relief that you want. Uh, So it all depends on, on, on how that ultimately shakes out. But the claimed uh, almost imperial authority of the governor to do whatever he wishes is is meeting a, a, a little bit of a wall here with regard to the First Amendment in the 11th Circuit. Not his week, evidently. Not not quite. <laughs> Anything to add in closing? Yeah. One of the things that struck me uh, about this opinion is the underlying notion that Mr. Warren's affiliations and his advocacy and his political ideology motivated this suspension. You know, even the district court found this and the 11th Circuit agreed. So it seems awfully chilling uh, in this day and age to base such an extreme move to suspend an elected official uh, based on their affiliations and advocacy and political uh, political speech, uh, regardless of their political point of view. Right. Uh, Judge Newsom, who was the concurring uh, opinion, and I, I'll, I'll note that Judge Newsom was appointed in 2017 by by Donald Trump, said uh, in his concur- concurrent that the First Amendment, quote, protects expression that some find wrongheaded or offensive or even ridiculous. But for the same reason, the government can't muzzle so-called conservative speech under the guise of preventing on-campus harassment. The state can't exercise coercive power to censor so-called woke speech with which it disagrees. What's good for mine is, whether I like it or not, good for thine, end quote. Mm -hmm. So Judge Newsom understands that, you know, the First Amendment is a powerful, powerful tool that allows somebody to stand up and speak to power without fear of reprisals or recriminations. And the 11th Circuit, in the majority opinion, summed it up really nicely. They said, quote, elections mean something. Majorities bestow mandates Elected prosecutors translate those mandates into policies. If alignment with DeSantis's political preferences were an appropriate requirement to perform the state attorney's duties, there would be little point in local elections open to candidates across the political spectrum. I've said on this program before, elections matter and they they make a difference and they do mean something 
now more than ever. We live in interesting times. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law's Spring Book Events. From racial injustice to sexual assault to immigration and how to set up a law clinic, experts in each field will gather in person to discuss. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.